Welcome to another edition of the Always Be Testing Podcast with your host, Ty DeGrange. Get a guided tour of the world of growth, performance marketing, customer acquisition, paid media, and affiliate marketing. We talk with industry experts and discuss experiments and their learnings in growth, marketing, and life. Time to nerd out, check your biases at the door, and have some fun talking about data-driven growth and lessons learned. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Always Be Testing podcast. I'm your host, Ty DeGrange, and I'm stoked to have Matt Katozzi on. What's up, Matt? Hey, hey. Good to be here. Great to have you on. Uh, It's been awesome to be able to follow your progress and growth with awesome creative in the fun-filled world of e-com and D2C. And uh, We've been, it's been a pleasure to be able to collaborate with you as well um, and dive into all the things that you've learned. I know there's a lot to share. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to be here. Excited to chat all things ads and creative. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. You know, you've witnessed D2C e-com, ads, creative, the testing aspects of that, you know, what performs well, what doesn't perform well. There's a lot of like noise in the market. There's a lot of tools. There's a lot of people kind of selling things like when you think about that crowded world, like what are you trying to bring to the creative and ad game in, in what you do? Yeah, I think, you know, right now the biggest thing that I hear is there's a lot of a lot of noise on account structures and big caps, ABO, CBO, all that fun stuff. And not to say that that's, that's not important. You know, you need a good account structure. You need really good kind of fundamentals of that. But that's only going to get you efficiently maybe an extra 10, 20% lift. What's going to really give big lift in your account, your brand is understanding who's your customer and why are they buying? It's so easy to get distracted by so many other things. Like, should we add this software tool or should we use this AI thing or whatever? But at the core of it, it's like, if you don't really understand who is your customer and why are they buying and positioning through messaging, whether that's on statics, whether that's through landing pages, whether that's through videos. If you're not truly understanding that and and really kind of tightening and clarifying why somebody should buy from you, all that account structure really means nothing. No bid cap is going to save you from a bad ad, right? At the end of the day, you still need to have great ads. At the end of the day, you still need to have a true understanding of your customer. So I think clear out the noise. Like, yes, you want to think about what how structure account structure is working, but spend 10x the time actually like looking at your customer reviews, talking to your customers, and thinking about interesting ways to shoot your product versus being like, spending so much time uh, in the account because, again, what's going to really move the needle is understanding how you're actually talking about your product to consumers. Uh, it's competitive out there, so you really need to be focusing in on that. So that's that's what we've always done, but just doubling down on just keeping things simple and basic to that because I think it's so easy to get distracted elsewhere. Yeah, I love that, Matt. I think there's like a simplicity and a rising above the noise and a quality level that you're you're keeping in mind you're focused on when you those in d2c ecom come to you for help in ads and in in video shot and shooting what kind of clients are you kind of finding kind of that magic and what are you typically seeing what what's like a good fit for what you and your team are doing 
Yeah, the best thing I would say is we're looking to work with companies that are an est company. This is a new this is a new phrase publishing out for the first time in, in public. I've been saying it in calls, but then est company is an EST company. What does that mean? It means that you can describe their product with the superlative, the best, the finest, the first, uh, whatever it is, right? But there's a superlative that's connected with their product. And why do I say that? It's because if you, as a brand, want to stand out, you should be unique. Your product is unique. You feel like you are one of one. You don't even have competitors because you know you are, you're creating your own journey and own category. But yet, why does the content look the same as everybody else, right? So I'm not saying always use do the prettiest stuff or the ugliest stuff. But my point is, is that your content should have a unique plan. So what we try to do is try to connect and understand what makes you unique and how can you have creative that actually helps you stand out to be unique. And if people can understand what makes you special and what makes your product special, they're going to want to buy. Um, and so what we try to do is uncover that and then actually go out and produce that content for them. Got it. And so like, if I could kind of just dumb down what you guys do, you're creating video ads, ads that perform well on social. Is it, can you kind of share more about the just basic nuts and bolts of what you're doing for these kind of top tier brands? Yeah. So the biggest unique factor to Gudo Studios is the fact that we don't work with creators. So most providers out there, they say, oh, we do ad creative. Um, most likely they are doing some sort of creative strategy, but they're kind of arbitraging between creator and brand. And they're just kind of like the middleman and they're constantly seeking after creators and things like that. Nothing wrong with that. It's just, there's a lot of people out there. What makes us different is that when we are working with a brand, you're working only with our team. We're going to go deep on who's your customer, why are they buying? Then we actually write out all the scripts. We shoot stuff in person. So we work with actors, uh, we rent out spaces, we produce everything uh, in-house. So if you need a grandmother, we can get that. If you need a child on camera, we can get that. We can get anybody or anything you want. Dog, uh, we can get that too. And then we can shoot everything in-house because, and and so we could shoot hi-fi, so we can shoot with our cinema cameras, we can shoot on an iPhone. So really like for whatever brand, whatever they need, we can, we can make happen. Uh, so we have the most like kind of control. And I think that's what I think is really great for brands. Love that. I love that control and ability to create original content from scratch that performs. That's, that's huge to have access to a lot of that. You kind of referenced ugly ads versus pretty ads. Barry, our friend, talks about this. I, we, we've seen it live and in action. And it's kind of, I think through it, it's very core to the, the theme of the podcast of learnings from D2Ccom, learnings from the ads that you put out. Whether it's ugly or pretty or authentic, like what are you witnessing in the learnings from these great ads and these videos and these creations that you're, you're putting together? I'd love to dig into maybe some of the observations and learnings and trends that you're seeing right now. Yeah. So honestly, like I have had so many conversations with Barry, whether it's publicly or within DMs and, and have had many calls with him. And I love his philosophy. Honestly, we, we actually agree a lot. Um, but I think we always like, I think I've laughed with him. Like, I feel like we say the same thing, but we come at it from two different angles. But I think a great ad was never a great ad because of what the camera was. 
Okay, point blank. Like it was never great because of uh, being an iPhone or because it was a cinema camera. It's great because of the intention behind what was created. Why was this created? Who is this for? I think the biggest distraction that happens is that people just kind of make an, like they hear these things. And, and I think that's like the dangerous thing of just saying make ugly ads is because I think sometimes not like Barry has the nuance. He understands that. But I think what happens is, and what's scary is that people just say, oh, like he said, make ugly ads. Like, so we're going to only do iPhone or like only do whatever, which is like true and good. But really it's like what he's really trying to like get at. And which I agree on is like, you got to meet the consumer with where they're at. But at the end of the day, you still need the fundamentals of a great ad, right? So you need to really be speaking to that person. So I always like want to always preface that. I think where there is some interesting stuff when it comes to what camera you use is when you use a nicer camera, you actually can get some really interesting different shots that you can't get with an iPhone. And so that allows you to have a little bit more elasticity or flexibility with what you're shooting or how you shoot something. And depending on the brand, that might be really a great opportunity. It might not be for every, it may not be for every brand. It may not be for every single ad, but you also don't want to rule out what cameras you're using. So I always look for that. And then the last thing is, is like, you always need to be authentic. You always need to be speaking to who is your customer, right? So whether you're shooting that on an iPhone or a nice camera, it needs to speak to the right person. And so you can't be all things to all people, but you really need to understand who's your customer and, and why they're buying. I think that like people get so distracted by a lot of this other stuff that they don't really know why a customer is buying from them. And that's honestly the more tragic thing, not because somebody used on-brand visuals or not on-brand visuals. It's most likely because didn't actually speak to the customer uh, specifically. Yeah, I love that. We've Something we've uh, incorporated a lot in our work is really emphasizing speaking to the customer. And we've even done that in our own work as well. What are some of the things that you've uncovered in going through some of the customer insights and, and speaking to the customer? I think one of the biggest things that I love to do is just find stories. So a lot of times, like there's always so many interesting stories on reviews and you're just like, wow, like some people just take the time to really talk about the impact or something that was really great about the product. And you're just like, that in and of itself is an ad. Like let's make a script off of that. So that's one thing. I think the other thing is that what we find is when you are working in a brand for like a long time, you start to make assumptions because you know so much about the product. You know so much about the brand that you just kind of forget that like people have don't know who you are or what you do. And I call this, I've termed this like the nutcracker rule. So when I was a professional dancer, I did nutcracker for 14 years. I've done over a thousand performances of it. I know everything about the nutcracker, but even on my 800th show in my 10th year or whatever it was, I've been doing it forever. I know everything about it. But there was somebody in that room, in that theater that for the first time was watching the Nutcracker and I need to make it as magical for them as it was 800 shows ago. And in the same way, we need to apply the Nutcracker rule to our ads. I don't care how many times you've seen their product. I don't care how many ads you've run or whatever. Most likely, unless you can 
unless you're Nike, right? Where if I say Nike, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Most likely, if I just go up to a random stranger and say some random brand name, they don't know who you are. So we want to make sure that we are still speaking to that person. And that, I think, is like the awareness issue that a lot of brands kind of get stuck in. And I think even for us, I have to push my team of like, hey, when we start working with a brand for like 12 months, I'm like, we are now in that bias. We have now kind of crossed over to where they were 12 months ago. So as a partner to them, we need to break every single rule again, just like we did when we first came in to help understand like, hey, just because we're reaching 3 million customers, that means that there's still 300 million Americans that still need this product, right? So like we still have a long way to go. So we want to make sure that we're we're missing that. We're not making a mistake of having that awareness bias, which I think I've seen a lot in a lot of brands and even in our own selves. So we're trying to combat that internally as well. I love that. That's a huge, that's a huge call out of, of the value of like speaking to customers and the, and also the value of checking some of those inherent uh, fatigue or bias or thought process at the door to really rethink and get the best possible outcome for clients and for your work. So I think that's just spot on. It, kind of a related topic. You talk about authenticity. I talk about it a ton with my team. We talk about it a ton with our clients. It's a huge part of you know what we're doing around you know securing trusted content, getting like influencers and affiliates on board to really talk uh, candidly about your products, pros and cons. But you know, in the ad creation process and the video production process, how do you kind of like manufacture that? How do you bring that real authenticity out? Uh, since it's being shot from scratch. Yeah, honestly, this is like, it, this is the hardest part. I think one of the biggest things that we try to do is whenever we're working with an actor, right, they're going to come on, but we have everything prepared. So we brief them before they show up to the actual shoot. We have them interact with the product. So we are, I will physically be there and I will sell them on the product, which as a side note, Try to sell your item, your product to a person in, in real time. Uh, it's a really different experience because you're actually seeing the reaction. Uh, you're seeing if they light up or if they don't care at all. Uh, so that's just a great way to like learn if you can actually sell a product. But what I try to do is I try to get them to light up, right? I try to, to understand what the product is, what is the goal of these videos. From there, the team will then go and shoot the content. We'll do the B-roll. We have like voiceovers that we have them run through. But one of the other kind of key components that we try to do is now they've interacted with the product, they understand what we're trying to go for. We do what we like to call prompting. We'll ask them questions and just say, hey, can you just give us like naturally, what do you think, right? And we had one product that is a is for women and, and basically like a lot for younger women, right? But the target demo, actually the target buyer is like moms. So moms buying it for their kids or you know kids going to college, et cetera. And what we did, we just asked this person like, hey, like, you know, if you like, if you were to give this to your daughter, like, what would you say? Why would you want to use this? And she just genuinely just like shared, like, I have a daughter, this is why. And we were able to kind of extract that, you know, from her. And 
Yes, we had this script that was dialed in to direct response copywriting, but then we were also able to pepper in some of this more genuine uh, experience because now that she's understood the mission, she's understood the product, how it's used, she was actually using the product and feeling it with her own hands, now she can talk about it in a way that's genuine. So those are some things that we're trying to do. We're still trying to get better at it. It's, it is not easy to do. I think everybody's struggling with that. Obviously, like ideally, you have your just like your true customer just come in and talk, but you're not always going to get like the best videos. So you really want to create that environment that feels comfortable. We are, that's like the biggest conversation we've had internally. Um, we're still trying to crack the yeah. code, but I think we do a fairly good job with what we have so far. Yeah, I love that. I love that being able to kind of capture some of those real moments that are that are actual human reactions that can be integrated into the story that can perform well. Similar thought and very related to the thought of experimentation and testing and learning, which is obviously central to what we talk about on this pod. How do you handle some of the volume requirements of clients? How do you get the learnings out of it? How do you think about A-B testing in this world? Obviously, it's trickier in some ways because you know you've got a lot of variables you've got video you've got actors you've got dynamic things that uh, stories to tell i'd love to hear just how do you kind of handle the scale volume and kind of test and learn desires of clients and brands yeah that's a great question i think that like realistically you can't get extremely scientific like down to like one change because there's so much that happens the other part of that is, you know, 95% of human thought is subconscious and our subconscious thinks in uh, emotions and experiences, not even in words or language. So it is fairly hard to like actually truly like pinpoint exactly why things happen. So if you can just first let that like sit, then that doesn't put as much pressure on like, did we get the exact like scientific A-B test? That being said, I think that you want to balance, like I think where people maybe go wrong with their like testing with ads specifically is like, let's say you get, you run an ad, you get the data back. A lot of people, instead of just iterating slightly off of that, they will like do like a net new concept. They'll like take that learning and they'll be like, let's do a whole new video. And I think that might be too general. Like you can't get super specific, but I think that there's plenty of times where one ad could, based on the data, you could basically maybe go like three or four different ways and like from there, try those three or four yeah. different ways and like go that route versus being like yeah. net new like sort of thing. So you can't go too granular, but you can't go too wide or too broad either. Yeah, it's super interesting. It's like you could go almost like different actor, same everything else, different call to action, same. You know, I'm just thinking out loud here. And I think obviously you have to be macro and careful. You're not going to be able to test every variable, like you said, but, you know, different color schemes, different backgrounds. Maybe it, it's featuring a different, you know, value prop of the product. Is that kind of in line with how you might think about maybe making medium changes as opposed to like, reinventing the wheel. Yeah, and and I would really use data to kind of help us make those decisions. So, you know, and I think a lot of times like not everything's going to work right off the bat. So, let's say you have like a static. I might not 
it, let's say we have three different headlines for the same static. Like I might find the, like let's take the top one of three that has the highest click-through rate. Okay, awesome. Let's say that's a winner. Now, maybe we want to do the same headline and everything, but with like two different backgrounds and see if we can optimize that. Maybe that's the best one. Maybe there's another one. Like kind of go from there. But like, I wouldn't like try to iterate on all three. And like, now you've got like nine, you know, it just becomes this massive tree. So I try to like simplify it because, you know, you got to always, even though we are the creative, even though we're not running budgets and running these accounts, you have to understand how accounts work, which is like, you still got to test, like, you know, you still got to put at least like five, 10 K, uh, sorry, five to 10 times the AOV just to run these tests. So like, you know, you don't want to get too granular where you're like, you kind of are not able to like take, you can't take us like, you don't want to go for bunts. You want to go for doubles, triples on these iterations. And then with the net new stuff, you're going for home runs. There's a slugging percentage here, you know, and it, and it, it, it depends on what you're trying to do. So that's kind of my main thing is like, use the data to kind of help you. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of being like, let's change like the CTA on a video. I'm like, eh, like, I don't know if that's going to really make the biggest difference. I feel like maybe what's being said or what's being shown throughout the video is going to compel them more than being like, oh, dang, they said buy now instead of like, learn more. You know, I mean, maybe, but doubt it. Yeah, there's too much else going on in the video that that tr- that supersedes that. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you got to go, you got to keep it somewhat simple and you got to also... Think about those macro levels, levers that are going to make the biggest impact, which I think is spot on. And just to kind of quickly off of that, like just, yeah, you want to work with your, the key as a creative is work with your media buyer who can help forecast like, okay, here's what the spend is for the month. So realistically, let's say you're at 200K a month, right? Okay. Well, you want to maybe, let's say you want to do 10% of that towards a test, like towards testing right? Okay. So 20 K awesome. But like, you know, that let's say it's like a thousand dollars for a test. Let's just say for even numbers, that means you need 20 ads, right? You need 20 ads to hit that 20 K budget. Right. And that's all forecasted. So, you know, it's not, it's approximate. It's not specific. And like, you know, those levers might go up or down depending on performance, but like, just by purely looking at that, like in looking at the forecast for the month, maybe for the quarter, that can help you kind of backtrack as the creative, what do we need to create? Like, do we really need to create five iterations if we, you know, are we going to use 25% on one iteration of like one ad? Like probably not, right? So like, it just is helpful to work with your media buyer and forecasting budgets and testing budgets so that you can actually break down like realistically what you need. Statics might be cheaper than videos. So like how many statics do you want versus videos? These are things that like we want to do to kind of like be a better provider. So I think like also think about that before you just like start coming up with a million ideas because like that's, it's got to align with the budget too. It's not created in a vacuum. And if you're thinking about it through the context of budget, ROI, goals, KPIs with a great media buyer like Round Barn Labs, you know, and, and, and then teaming up with a great creative team like Gudo, I think you're in a great spot. So I, I, love, I love your direction there. You had some really interesting comments throughout that I'd love to just kind of uh, double click on a little bit. You kind of talked about kind of 5 to 10x AOV. Would you mind maybe sharing a little bit more about that part of it? Yeah, so there's more 
to that than just budget, right? I think there's also like a time horizon as well. Like when when we're working with a brand, like we are trying to, like they know they're, they have their account, like they've kind of have dialed that in a lot more. So like, you know, all this is just approximate stuff. Like I think, and every brand is different. Like we're working with the brand that's like the AOV is like $2,000, right? So it's like a very different thing versus something that's like 30 bucks, right? So every brand is obviously going to be different. So the key is to first understand like, what are the metrics that are like find success? Like, is it, are you looking for a cost acquisition, uh, like a CAC, or are you looking at MER or or a ROAS target or something like that, right? So like that's number one to kind of understand when you're in the testing. Then we are looking at like, you know, okay, we need some money to go to actually test this. The key though is the time horizon. So you don't want to just blow like, let's say it's like five times the AOV, but it's all in one day, like on a random Tuesday. It's like, whoa, what like would that what would that be like in the swing of the whole week? So ideally you gotta have like the balance between like a week in terms of time in the market, but then also like budget wise. Granted, I'm not like the media buyer, so I'm not like s- like super like yeah. into how it all goes. But like ideally, that's just kind of what we're trying to do. Because before we make yeah. changes on iterations and things like that, we want to make sure like, hey, did we give this a shot? Give us the most like statistical significance on the data that we can actually trust that data to say, okay, let's make some decisions here, whether it's yeah. change it or keep scaling it or whatever. So that's the biggest thing for us. Yeah. You're coming at it from such a great mindset because you're you're empathetic to the levers that the media buyer can pull. You are aware of the pretty important factors that the brand is considering when they're thinking about return for the investment. So I love I love where your head's at, and it just uh, echoes a lot of the collaboration and work we've done. So, so tip of the cap, the dad gang cap to you again. That's right. Yes, exactly. Repping the brand. I love it. You had another really cool point. You talked about kind of like mix of home runs to bunts along that spectrum. Can you share a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah. So for example... Look, sometimes you're going to strike out. That's, that's the reality, right? So, you know, a Hall of Fame career, you're hitting, you're batting 300%. I mean, hey, you're hitting three out of 10, right? So that's a, so just thinking about that, right? So not everything's got to be a winner, but there's definitely plenty of times where, you know, let's say something's getting like $5,000 of spend. It didn't blow up. It didn't, it wasn't anything amazing about it, but it wasn't terrible either, we want to say, okay, let's say that's a single, right? You're on first base. Can we do something about that where we can improve it, right? So that's when we're looking at the creative metrics and then we're saying, okay, like, oh, like that was like, let's, and a lot of times this happens when, you know, brands are running maybe some like influencer content on paid or maybe they got some videos sent over. People are not like direct response, creative people all the time. So maybe it's like a great like testimonial video, but it's like, oh, like that hook wasn't really great or, you know, it wasn't, didn't have, it was kind of like a boring cut. Maybe we can add some stuff in there. And that's when we come in and, and do what I like to call framing. Framing is taking something that feels like kind of like maybe almost too organic and adding in some of that kind of direct response, like framing to it to kind of give it a little bit more kind of meat on the bone, if you will. And that can hopefully upgrade that from a single to a double or to a triple, right? Where you're getting like 15K on spend on that or 20K of spend. Maybe it doesn't end up being like this home run, 
but you are extracting value out of that content. Most brands have a lot of content that like kind of did all right, but if they just add a little bit more framing, whew, you might yep. be able to really get some efficiency out of there, right? So there's, there's, that's truth to account structuring, like bid caps, cost caps, CBO, ABO, all that fun stuff. But it's also true with the creative itself. There's a lot of times where some, some stuff is like solid. You're getting some good signal there, but it just like not enough to like really hit like that hundred k spend or million k, you know, yeah. million spend. But yeah. if you could do some some changes, maybe some mashups, all of a sudden you have a whole new ad that could like really take off. So that's what we like to kind of look at as well. We want to be hitting for those home runs where we're coming up with the scripts and all brand new visuals. But then there's a bunch of other stuff that it's like, hey, they're men on they're men on base. Let's get them home, right? Let's let's try and find yeah. how we can do that if you know we keep to the baseball uh, analogy there. I respect the sports analogy. I respect, very much respect the baseball analogy. And I, and I think you've brought us some really interesting things. Framing, can you define that for the audience that might not know what that means? What I mean by framing is, let's say somebody like just posted a video on TikTok and yep. you, know, you get the rights to use it, but it's basically just them like, oh my gosh, Guys, I love this product. And like they're just kind of like babbling along or whatever. Yeah. And maybe they don't even have captions on it. They just run it just like raw. Like does does decent. What I like to do is say, okay, let's just take some basic principles that we know of ads, ad creative that works, and let's add, let's just add some framing to it. So we just basically are kind of editing the video to have some like structural aspects of good ad creative, hence framing, right? So it's like, you've got this canvas, it's great, it's flimsy, just we got to frame it up, make it look like it's presentable, right? And you can almost, it almost creates a whole new look and feel of the the video. So that's kind of what we're trying to do. That's great. I think people appreciate that, not as aware with, with all the, you know, inside baseball to keep that analogy going. And then you kind of reference like, okay, an ad is spending XYZ dollars. Okay, an ad is spending XYZ dollars. For the audience, are, you, are we're reiterating the point of like, hey, we're looking at a number of metrics to assess an ad's performance and its success. But what you're getting at is that, hey, we put this, the media buyer puts this into paid social. We see that one's spending much more than the other. The algorithm's favoring it. Therefore, it's performing better. Is that kind of what you're getting at there? Yeah. I mean, all the algorithms are incentivized to find buyers, right? Like that's like the biggest thing. You wouldn't keep spending if you weren't finding buyers. So I think that there is a good signal, especially now where a lot of how media buying is, from my understanding, is is really trusting the algorithm, right? So it's, you're kind of putting it in and finding it. Like it used to be very much like find the right audience and like it used to be heavy on structure. Now it's a lot less than that. So finding spend gives me a good signal that like, hey, Facebook clearly is seeing like that this is like there's something here. So I look at that. I look at, again, you need to know what are the targets, right? Every brand is different. MER, ROAS, CAC, all this stuff, right? So like know that going into it. Um, So I look at spend. I look at, let's just, let's say CAC, just it's easier for today. We look at those two things. That like base value, is it getting spent? Is it hitting your targets? Yes or no? If it's yes, like, great. Like, let's see. Maybe is there a way to optimize the ad? Maybe you could improve some stuff, but also like keep running it. If it's not, love it, but it's getting some good signal, but not getting the conversion. Awesome. Like, let's iterate on that. Let's try and see what, where we need to go. If it's not getting the conversion, 
and not getting great signal, have a conversation. Do we want to kill this ad or do we want to try something differently? So there's kind of three responses to that, but it's it all starts with like spend and, and your acquisition like North Star metric. Love it. No doubt. Hooks are such an important piece, right? You want to stop that thumb scroll. We want to get people's attention. What are some of the best hooks that you've seen or, or you, you, your, your team have created? Yeah. So I'm going to shout out to this brand because I have seen this brand and I am like, I'm freaking out. Also, it's a pretty ad. So I just want to say, you know, this is why I like it. It's called Kion, K-I-O-N. And I did a tweet about this, which was just like, who the heck are these people and how are these the most fire ad hooks ever? So when I look at this stuff, I'm like, this is amazing. So basically what they do is I can send you over like so that we can have it maybe in the the, the show notes, but I'll just describe it out loud. It's a supplement. And, you know, so you basically have like your little container and the person's basically going in to kind of scoop out the powder and the hand goes through the whatever this container and then it goes into like them doing an exercise. Like it is this crazy transition. If like you were listening to this, you go to the show notes, you'll, we'll link my tweet thread on and I show you all the different ones. It is blows your mind. But basically like one of the guys is like puts his hand in and then all of a sudden he's just like swimming. And you're like, what the heck? And then and the whole like it's a silent ad. There's, there's no talking or anything, which I love. And you just get like you get the understanding like this thing is going to give you energy to do whatever that is, right? And so it's just love a it. really amazing really smart way. And I love it. And it it just goes to show you that it was never about the camera, right? So that's the key. Why I like this. It's like, yes, it's highly produced. It looks high end, which I think personally as a visual brand for a supplement makes you trust it because it's like, you know, it's a high priced item. You kind of want to make sure that you're not buying something sketchy. Uh, So a nice visual brand does it, but they were able to still build visuals that hook. And they were able to do that because they had a nice camera. So they were able to do things that an iPhone couldn't do, right? So that's the beauty of being, that's why you don't want to just always throw it out and say like, oh, it's got to be UGC iPhone stuff. Because then you wouldn't have been able to do something like that that has captured people's attention. And it was truly, I see so many ads. I was on the couch. That made me stop. I said, what the heck is this? And, And so like it genuinely came up into my feed and it was amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. Appreciate that. It's uh, excited. Is there an ad that you call that you recall, you know, either within your portfolio or similar things that you've just seen just like from a data perspective or you've heard anecdotally that's just like obviously this could be one of those, but is there one that's maybe different from that that just just was a workhorse and performed extremely well or maybe perhaps better than you expected? Yeah, I can tell you one that I almost didn't run and it's now got a million dollars in spend. So what do I know, right? So take everything I say with a grain of salt because man, my bias almost got in the way and that's the difference of a million dollars for one of our clients. So, you know, I got to watch out. Yeah, so it it really humbled me. But what I, the reason why was this. So we we were shooting and the person was the ideal customer, right? Look, feel everything. They weren't, 
like what we try to do, we like legitimately, when I say like actors, like sometimes we just get people we know, right? We try to get like just regular people, right? These are not like Mm -hmm. professional, professional actors that we're working with, right? We're just like trying to find, we source them on Instagram. We're just on Facebook. Like we're just trying to find random people. Anyway, this person comes in because it's a friend of a friend and they're like this, you know, 45 year old woman, perfect for this product, all this stuff. And like, she was like, because she's a friend of a friend, she's not like she like knows how to hit lines or whatever. So she's like, it's kind of awkward. And I remember like, I was actually shooting this, like some, my my team member who was actually shooting, she was shooting something else. So I happened to be doing the lines with her. And I was like, man, like, I don't know, like, I'm not feeling this. Like she wasn't hitting lines, like legitimately <laughs> like looking off screen, coming back and like hitting like, like things I was like, yo, like, okay, whatever. But we were like going through it and we're okay, like, you know what? It's fine. Like she does it and she gen- Yeah. So we do this and it was like her voiceover, like it was her, her main voiceover. But then we also added in like other women, like using the product and showing it off. So it was a little bit of a mashup. So it wasn't just a solo person, but like overall, like the delivery is good, but it, it does feel like a little bit more like awkward or like whatever. And it just crushed. Like you just, can't, we haven't be, been able to beat it. And it's so funny because wow. I was like, told my team, I was like, I almost said no to this. Okay. And it was just <laughs> such a great thing where it was like, yeah, why does this work? And one of the key things that we picked off of this that we're trying to do more of is sometimes when people are talking to the camera and they're just like, barreled down, like just straight into the eyes of the camera. That's not how most people talk, right? Like most people can't really keep eye contact. And a lot of times when people are talking genuinely, they always like look away to kind of like gather their thoughts and gather their words and then look back. So in some ways, because she was like trying, she was like kind of stumbling in a way that felt like kind of authentic it really like worked and it was kind of funny. So now we're actually telling people like, hey, like we're not saying like make mistakes, but we're kind of like, it's okay to make mistakes. Like you don't need to like hit these lines perfectly. In yeah. fact, look off camera, yeah. try to figure it out. But it's just one of those things where yeah. it's like, dang, it just, I don't know. Like I was, didn't feel it yeah. like personally, but yeah, a million dollars from spend, you know. I love it. I don't know what to say to that. That's a winner, right? Yeah. So it's good. I'm amazed by how often if you line up ads and copy and things and you you get people's vote on what's going to perform best, it's very difficult to predict and people often get it wrong. So one, you're not alone. And two, I think it's, you know, it's it's a very interesting learning. And I think you've uncovered something there, which is uh which you're trying to understandably duplicate, replicate, improve upon, which is which is what this is all about. This is awesome. Absolutely. What's like a best practice or trend that in your world, you know, video ads just took off or in social ads just took off that you think is maybe starting to fatigue or maybe is starting to no longer perform like it once did? I think that with the rise of TikTok, you know, there was, you could pretty much post any kind of like just video from iPhone and all this stuff, even without like great direct response, like, content. And I think that's where, you know, we did get that swing of like ugly ads and things like that, right? The downside is, is that there's a lot of fundamentals that were never really there. And so I think just like, it's more of the economy than anything. The economy's catching up. Think about it. 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. It's like, it was ripping. 
right? It's a very different game that we're playing, right? So the market is different. So it's really not necessarily a trend that's going down. It's just more so you have to be keyed in to your ads and how they're being created. So again, I'm not here to say like UGC is dead or you know any of this other stuff. Yeah. I'm just saying that you need to have your fundamentals down. Every single brand is trying to be profitable, get cost low, all the stuff. It's going to happen when you dial in your position, when you dial in how, like who is your customer and why they buy, which is kind of what we've talked about since the beginning of this whole thing. That is going to be the key. So is it a trend that's dying on? Yeah, I don't think that you can like just get away with just letting it rip on a, on a phone and just saying like, okay, that's good enough. Let's do a hundred of these. I think you got to be way more strategic. I think there was some bad habits that were created and were rewarded because of stimulus money that like people were buying things without real reason. But now that debt is climbing up. The, the money has, you know, gone away. So like you, you can't get away with those bad habits anymore. So I think the brands that really have the fundamentals down know who their customer is and is really keyed in there and can do great ads, great direct response copywriting and scripting and shooting those are the winners. So it's not really a trend as much as it's like, hey, it's time to like, you know, yeah. the bad habits, if you got them, you got to start retraining the team to make sure that they've got the right stuff. Yeah, exactly. It reminds me of the law of shitty click-throughs by Andrew Chan. I mean, people rush to the next thing. TikTok ads are no longer shooting fish in a barrel. You're competing with Timu spending a billion dollars and you you need to spend more. You need to get more. You need to have better hook grades. You need to have better better everything. And like you said, those fundamentals, if those fundamentals are not there, you're going to get your butt kicked. So I think you're really onto something that these emerging channels are fantastic, but they all fatigue, they all mature, they all go through those life cycles. And so what a, what a great point. Love that stuff. Yeah, definitely. You know, Matt, you're growing your business. It's exciting. It, you go through those, those waves of challenges and opportunities and positives. Can you share a little bit about like know what are you looking for for kind of your for your culture for your company at at gudo and and what what you're kind of look for in hires in the in your world my superpower is the team right so it's not even me uh and my goal is just creating a great environment for creative people so most companies don't know how to manage creative people because they don't understand like the energy flow that it takes to do creative work. And that's why they burn out a lot. My goal is to create a great environment to do that. Now, one of the biggest things that I'm looking for is just like the muscle to create or the passion to create. I think there's like a huge sentiment out there of like hire fast, fire faster. I think that's a that's just so wrong because most of the time it's because you didn't train them good uh, or train them well. Like you just assume like, dang, like they're just going to come in and just let it rip. But it's like, they have no idea what's going on in your brand or agency or whatever. So what I'm trying to do is I'm really trying to focus on people that actually like have the desire to create. So I'll give you a great example. I was looking for somebody to help film all this content. I went on TikTok. I searched for people in Seattle. And I found somebody who was in college at the time, didn't have really a big following, but was just creating skincare content and all this stuff. The reason why I hired her was because she, without a following, without any you know 
paid reason to create, she created, right? Other people applied to that job who said, I want to be in social media. Okay, that's great that you say that, but when I look you up on Instagram and you have no videos, like, do you really want to be there? Like, do you really want to? Because, like, this other person over here is like creating, even though they have no, there's no kind of like money coming in. So it's that passion to create that's really hard to teach. But if you give me that passion, I can teach you ads, I can teach you marketing, I can teach you everything. But if you just have that passion for what you're doing, that's what I'm looking for. So those are the big things that I want people to see. Now, there's going to be times where we're going to be hiring for other positions that are not like in the video space, but I still want to see like your desire. Cause I could, it's easy to coach and train and you should do that. But having the desire to like want to create or want to show up to something that is harder to find, but that can, that's a make it break it for your culture as a team. And honestly, to have the most, like the best creative you got to have the most collaborative space possible. And so you have to make sure that people like really want to show up and be there. I had w- one of my team members yesterday, we were chatting. She's like, this is the first job that I come back from vacation. And I'm like, don't dread. And I'm like, yeah, because we've built a great environment where everybody wants to be there. So it just makes it super easy for everybody to show up and be them their best selves. So that's really one of the core things that I'm looking at for team members. I love that. It's uh, awesome to hear. And I think I think there's such so much to that supporting, fostering the passion and the energy and the and enthusiasm and educating, coaching and kind of enabling that. It's it's that's a, f- a fantastic point. You, you've done some awesome things, man. This has been so interesting and so learning and such a good learning. I think getting into some of the details and also some of the macro things where do you want to take uh, Gudo Studios? Yeah, I mean, the North Star for us is we'll be shooting uh, Super Bowl commercials. So that's 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 the overall like long-term goal. I think for a lot of people out there, like I think when agencies, uh, you know, get a bad rep, it's mainly because like the person starting the agency is doing it for like money or doing it for like something other than the passion of the work. But I'm doing it for the passion of work. Like I love to do this. Like I honestly, I'm like, I'm not like an entrepreneur. I'm not like actually a founder. I'm just like artist that was like, I'm using business as a vehicle to do the thing that I've always wanted to do. And I'm building a team to fulfill the art that I want to be able to do. Right. And so the reason why we want to grow is we want to be helping more brands understand their customer and why they buying and create ads that convert, but also so that we can, start to work with some of these other bigger brands to take all the stuff that we've learned and grown from. Like we have built such an efficient process. There's so much bloat in the big production companies. They take like 20 million people just to get one shot. They take a full day just to get one shot. It like kills me. Basically just like brands overpay for like not great creative. That's like has no connection to marketing. They're just like, what's the coolest lens that we can use? Uh, And it's like, yeah, but who cares about the lens if it has no touch to marketing and like the reason why people buy? So I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to go up market and build the production. And that's really our goal. But yeah, we just, that's what we're building. And every year we're just going to keep chipping away uh, as we grow. But we're growing out of a passion, right? So we're growing a team that's passionate. And that's like 
the biggest thing that I need to protect. Like it's not growth at all costs. It's building the team that is excited to create, wants to be here. And if I was like younger, to me, I'm like getting paid to create, like that's like the dopest job. Like that's what I want to be able to do is get young people in here to say like, hey, like you can actually get paid to create, which I wish I was able to do when I was 20. I kind of had to pave that path for myself. But now I want to give people opportunities where I'm like, hey, you can be your most creative self here. Like let's shoot for the fences and let's do something together and collaboratively. So that's what I'm excited about. This is awesome, Matt. I, I feel like we could go so much longer. We've taken, we've almost gone a full hour on just some great detail, your journey, where you're going, where, where you want to take this. And I, I really appreciate you sharing. I think this is one of my better ones because I think we've we've been able to kind of pull back the curtain on ads, video, gen, you know, creating that authenticity and and really talking about what what works and what doesn't. So tip the cap to you there. And um, you know, for those who want to reach out, learn more about you, where would you suggest they connect with you? LinkedIn, Twitter, Matthew Gatozzi. Uh, so just my full name. Very easy. Uh, we got a new site coming up as very soon, which I'm excited about because our, our current site sucks. Watch out. So watch out. And uh, yeah, so goodostudios.com. There's a place where you can book a call if you want to. But honestly, just like DM me, uh, hit me up. Like I always love chatting with anybody. So like before I even book a call, like let me know what's up and happy to help uh, on anything. Fantastic. Matt, you rock, man. Always a pleasure. Hope you stay warm up in the PNW in the, the storms coming. And uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah, thank you. 